Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday in Lent. Uh, before we begin our worship, just a few announcements to share and prayer requests. Uh, first, I invite you to continue to pray for Marcel. Uh, she has entered into hospice care at OSU in Columbus. Uh, so keep her in your prayers and, of course, Roger and their family as they walk with her in these final days. Also, ask you to continue to pray for Charlie Coates, who's been transferred to Toledo for further testing uh, as they try to figure out how to, how to help him and, and uh, discern what exactly is going on. So pray for him and, of course, uh, for Jane and, and for Kevin and Denise as, as they're with him. Uh, just a reminder that newsletter articles are due today, so if you have something that needs to go into the newsletter, I'll let Rose know about it. Uh, and then our midweek services will continue Wednesday, soup suppers at 6, with our service at 7, and you are, of course, invited to join us to eat, to fellowship, and to worship. Are there other announcements or other prayer requests that you have this morning? Yeah, Judy. Your Van der Horse, our son-in-law, lost his mother this week. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, remember okay. the John Parker family because he passed away. Yeah, the Parker family. Yeah. And the Sirfoss family. Yeah, the Sirfoss family. Yeah. And this is the last day to turn in your orders for yeah. lilies. Yeah. So, if you would like to order lilies, we'll get those in today. No other announcements. I'll invite you then to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation, please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may die in your will, and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Bend your ear to our prayers, Lord Christ, and come among us. By your gracious life and death for us, bring light into the darkness of our hearts and anoint us with your Spirit. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from 1 Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. We'll now read Psalm 23 responsively. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You restore my soul, O Lord, and guide me along right pathways for your name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they are for me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup is running over. A reading from Ephesians. Once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, 
For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you were trying to teach us. And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were born blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the drama of this story really revolves around one question, which is, who is the sinner? The reading begins with Jesus seeing a blind man. And interesting, Jesus doesn't bring the man over to himself. He doesn't say anything to the blind man. Jesus simply sees him. And this theme will carry us into the bigger questions of this story. Because what we'll see is that Jesus is the one who sees. And Jesus is the one who gives sight. Without him, all are blind. The disciples, too, we find out as we read the story, are blind in their own way. Superficially, they see this poor man, and they don't really see him. They see an opportunity to ask Jesus a tricky theological question. And that's always an unfortunate temptation. People in their suffering and in their problems can be reduced to theological questions. However, Jesus sees the man, where the disciples see an issue to, debate, to be debated, a question to ask. Jesus sees a person. And so the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And that's the theological question that they want to address. That's the debate that they want to have. And it's not just a question, it's the biggest question in the world. Why do bad things happen to people? But we see that Jesus isn't interested in reducing this man 
to a debate. He's not interested in reducing this man to a theological question. Instead, what Jesus does is he points forward to how this man is going to be saved by the word of promise, by the word of the gospel. But you can see the disciples' problems here. It's a naive problem, but it's a problem that's really easy to fall into. When we see suffering, our first instinct is often to ask that question, who sinned, who messed up, who's to blame? We like to assign blame. Sometimes we see bad things happen to people and we think, well, if only they had been more faithful, prayed more, gone to church more, then maybe all these bad things wouldn't be happening. Or maybe if these people had made better decisions about their life, if they lived healthier, if they lived more righteously, then maybe they wouldn't be suffering so much. Other times we might think it was his parents that must have done something evil. In other words, it's fate. He was fated to suffer. It's his parents' fault. And of course, that's a trendy thing to do in our modern culture. We like to blame our parents for all of our problems. Uh, But Jesus, again, he's not going to play that game. The line of thinking about people that tries tries to find blame in their suffering, tries to assign guilt, tries to blame fate or genetics or whatever it is, it's rooted in a kind of self-justification in one way or the other. If the man was born blind because he sinned, well, then I must be doing okay because I'm not blind. That's what the disciples think. We can think that we are healthy and happy enough at the moment, so we must be fine in God's eyes. We must not be sinners, or at least we must not be as much of a sinner as this blind man. Or on the other hand, we could simply say, the blind man was fated to be blind because his parents were sinners. This is a kind of generational curse we see in the Old Testament. Therefore, all my problems, all my, fu- all my suffering is someone else's fault. It's all my parents' fault. It's all in my genetics or something like that. But Jesus cuts through all of this and he directs us away from self-justification. He directs us away from trying to see a reality that is blinded by our own ambitions. He points to the suffering of the man and says that God's work is going to be revealed in him. In other words, if you want to assign suffering to either individual guilt or to fate, then in the end, you are truly hopeless. But if you can reframe suffering pointing to what God is doing in Christ Jesus, then there is hope then you'll begin to see the truth. Now, this isn't denying the existence of suffering. This isn't saying that people suffer because of the consequences of their actions or because there's some genetic problem that brings disease. All of those things are real. Pain and suffering in this world are most certainly real. But the only hope through suffering is to point to what God is doing for us in Christ. And that's what offends the Pharisees in this reading, because Jesus is acting outside of the law. The law is there to assign guilt, to assign blame. It is there to assign curses, and Jesus is acting outside of that. And the law that the the Pharisees hold on to, that's the only lens they use to see the world. That's why they say, we are disciples of Moses. In other words, they are saying this blind man was born in sin, and healing him on the Sabbath is also sin. 
Therefore, this man and Jesus are sinners. And so their worldview, how they see the world, how they see people, it's completely constrained by the law. It's limited to the law. And the law cannot heal people. It only parses out who is to blame, who is to fault. You can go read through much of Exodus and Leviticus, and you'll find chapters telling you who is at fault for a problem and how a person at fault is to make restitution. Right? If an ox is killed while you're borrowing it, who's required to pay for that ox? Or if someone steals from you, who's to make restitution and so on? Because that's what the law does. It accuses, it shows us who is at fault. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, because in this world there are people to blame. We do sin, there are sinners. And Jesus' point is not that there isn't sin in the world. In fact, he very clearly calls the Pharisees sinners. But Jesus' point, and the point we want to hold on to, is that the final word of God is not the law of Moses, but of the gospel of Christ. You can find blame for the blind man. You can, as, you can assign guilt to someone if you'd like. But what difference does it make? He was still blind. Because the law can only accuse. It cannot heal. And this brings out Jesus' judgment on the Pharisees. The blind man knows that he has a problem. He's very aware of his inadequacy. He's aware of his suffering. He's aware of his need for a savior. The blind man knows that he needs Christ. He needs that promise of healing from God. And that's what he receives. He receives healing. And he receives this healing because Jesus sees him first. Jesus knows what he needed. The man was not a problem to be solved, but a suffering sinner to be healed. The Pharisees in the text, however, believe that they can see just fine. They don't see the ways in which they are blind. They think they have it all together. And they believe that they will be justified because they claim to follow the laws of Moses. But they fail even the two most basic commandments, love God and love your neighbor. There is God and the person of Christ standing right in front of them, and they hate him. There is their neighbor, a poor blind man standing right in front of them, and they hate him. They hate the fact that he was healed on the Sabbath. They didn't see that poor man at all in his suffering. They can't rejoice with him that he is healed. They're truly sinners with hate in their heart, and they're blind to it. And so in trying to identify who sinned, the blind man, his parents, or even Jesus himself, the Pharisees missed the most fundamental truth, that they are sinners. And that's true of us as well. We cannot stand and justify ourselves. We can never look at another person's suffering or another person's sin and say, well, that person is really bad off. That person must be really far off from God. Until we're willing to look at ourselves and say, I am the sinner who needs Christ. So what then do we say to the reality of sin and suffering? Well, we have one word that we can say in the midst of suffering. We say that Jesus has come to bear the sins of the world. He has come to bear the sins and the pain of every suffering person. Jesus is the Lamb of God who bears the sins of the world. And we can look at all the suffering in the world. 
We can look at the sin and muck in this world. We can look at the sin in our lives. And we say that that's why we need Jesus. We need to be healed. We need to be forgiven. We're not going to fix anything in ourselves or in this world by trying to follow rules and obeying the law because it cannot heal us. Instead, we're saved because Jesus sees us. He has seen us. He knows who we are. And while we were blind in our sins and delusions, he healed us with his promise. Jesus is the one who sees the world as it is. He's the one who sees you as you are. And what he sees is a person for whom he has come to bring life and salvation. Amen. stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. 
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, the God not made, of the name of the Father, through him all things are made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary, became truly human. For our sake he was crucified in our conscious island. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Great Physician, enlighten our eyes by your blessed gospel and hide us in your shelter in the day of trouble. Provide a home in your church for those cast out by this world and unite them with us in the pure confession of your holy name. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, your Son abides among his saints in the temple of his church. Shelter all those who seek refuge under the cover of his tent, and raise up pastors, ministers, and teachers in every age to serve your people in your name. Lord, in your mercy. Father, through holy baptism, you have brought us into the light of Christ. Guide us always in your ways and teach us to know your will, that we would do what is good and right and true. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guide those in authority in our land, especially our President Joseph, our Governor Richard Michael, our Congress, that our laws may be just and right. Where our laws are unjust or contrary to your word, guide our leaders so to change them. Give them the wisdom to know your will and to do it. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Father, you have promised that what we suffer does not condemn us, but instead displays your glory. And so sustain the afflicted in body, our soul, especially Charlie, Jane, Marcel, Melinda, Allison, Steve, John, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, for all of those families who now grieve that they would take heart, trust in you, and find in you, even in the midst of their trials, your grace and love. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, everyone who believes in Jesus as Lord will not be put to shame. So unite your people in a right confession of your word and free them from disagreements over your truth and bring us together with penitent hearts to receive the great riches of your son's body and blood in the sacrament. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, 
trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending
Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast. Grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. With your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy trinity, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
benediction. Please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.